This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be at this lovely time here. It's overcast in L.A., and uh, we had some major rain, which is for a Los Angeles. I was in New York uh, Thursday and Friday, well, Thursday afternoon and Friday, and it was raining. Thursday evening, like pouring rain. And then I come to L.A. for what? For more rain. So, um, yep, it's happening. I know that uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is hurricane season is approaching us and how to prepare in fact, it's it, in many places. It's here already. It's happening with Michael. It was it was, it was quite a storm. I think uh, they downgraded it to a four or five, but still, it's happening. The good news for many of us out there who enjoy winter sports, it's uh, I know Park City has already gotten some snow, so uh, that's a good thing for for me. That's a great thing. Anyway, uh, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host here for the next thirty minutes on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. Um, I also want to promote that next week. Next week, my client friend. Riley Keogh is going to be on. Uh, if you don't know her, you can check her out. She is Elvis and Priscilla Presley's granddaughter and Lisa Marie's daughter and a very talented actress in her own right and a, a the consummate dog lover, has two phenomenal dogs. And um, they, she and her husband just really put a lot of uh, energy effort into their dogs, which is just great. So um, anyway, she's going to be our guest. So if you have any questions, uh, you have the week now to check out Riley. And uh, K E O U G H Keo, and um, just to uh, you know, if you if you want to prepare something, look at some of the things she's done. We're going to try to start a series now with um, maybe once a month. I'm going to try to bring in one of my celebrity clients and just talk because you really get a chance to know them. You can join us here on Pet Life Radio live, which is great. You can ask questions, and um, it'll give you a chance to kind of meet some other people that you would otherwise not have any opportunity to meet. So uh, I think it's a it's a good thing. So um, anyway, the way to get a hold of me, if you have any questions, anything you want to talk about, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. It's toll free. So um, it's very nice and very easy. The best way, however, the way I love the most is to click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff on the Pet Life Radio website. You scroll down shows, you go to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and there's going to be a, a link there for you. And just click on the link. Google Hangouts, it'll take you straight here. It'll take you straight to me, and we can talk about anything you want to talk about your pets, which just is really good. That's what I love to do. Speaking of which, you know, I was back and forth. I, I don't know if you guys you had a chance to see me on Inside Edition. I was on, on Friday evening. So um, I'm in New York doing a satellite media tour, and I get a call as I land. I'm, I'm heading in from JFK to the city from the LA Bureau of Inside Edition. They want me to comment and get some sound bites on a story that hit the news. Really sad story. We'll talk about it now, actually. It was very sad. And I looked into it. So basically, a, a couple, they were had no, you know, no kids in the house. They were all um, out of the house. And um, they adopted a three-year-old Mastiff cross, a Presa Canario cross. Presa Canarios, if you look them up, they're big dogs and known to be have any kind of tendency to be a little bit on the aggressive side, like many Mastiffs. And when you think about the, the Mastiff breeds, you know, you got the dog de Bordeaux, you got the, the bull mastiff, the English mastiff, the Prenian mastiff, which are just amazing, great, friendly dogs. Then on the other hand, you have the Conocorsos, the Brazilian Felis, the, uh, the Dogo Argentino, you have the Presa Canario. You have a lot of mastiffs that are known to be extremely aggressive. 
And I've cared for many in the past. One of my clients had at one point two aphelias, and literally they came in with muzzles. Nobody can get near them. Uh, it took me a while even to get to the point where I could uh, get near them and examine them without muzzle. And they actually started to really like me. Uh, in fact, at one point we had to, we were waiting to give her some medication. She lived a little bit away and a friend of mine, I was going out to visit a friend of mine and she lived in the same town and it was called Valencia. So I said, no problem. I got to come out anyway. I'm going to see my friend, John, and I will deliver the medication to your home. So she gives me her address and I knock on the door and nobody's there. And I hear the dogs barking on the side fence. So I walk to the side fence. I mean, most people would be an idiot to walk into a little confined area with two Brazilian feelers. But I am one of those idiots. So I walk into this gate and they see me jumping up all over me. I'm getting major tongue. I walk into her garage, which is off of this, this side part of the house. I put the meds on a counter, uh, leave a little note and, and out I went. So she calls me later and says, are you nuts? You, you actually walked into my home, into my, into my property. It wasn't the home with nobody there with my two dogs. I said, yeah, they were fantastic, but that's rare. That's very rare. So this um, couple had this dog. They've had it a very short while. And of course, we know very little to nothing about this dog, about the history. I'll, I'll give you all the things to, that, that could have happened and, and why. So anyway, husband was on a worked a swing shift. So he was he was gone from like I think it was noon or two to ten or whatever. Anyway, he gets home at eleven fifteen, walks in the house. It's quiet, and he finds his wife literally on the floor, mauled to death, literally mauled to death by this dog. And he calls nine one one. If you go, you want to, you could check out the piece on on Inside Edition. Just Inside Edition dog mauling. Uh, that's how I, I searched for it. So really, really sad, obviously. And it opens up to all these questions. Like, first of all, what did they really know about this dog? The rescue, they got from a legitimate rescue group. And you have to know that when it comes to certain breeds, think about this, three-year-old, very healthy dog. What do you think the main reason that a three-year-old healthy dog is going to be brought in to a shelter for adoption, rehoming? You think it's truly because they had a kid that was allergic? I don't think so. How about behavior? And I'm sure this dog had exhibited behavior problems. It probably, knowing it was a oppressive canario, my hunches wasn't neutered, three-year-old male, and they bring it into a shelter. So, of course, the shelter is not going to adopt it out without neutering. And the shelter claims, and maybe maybe rightly so, this dog showed no evidence. But you have to understand that in a, a situation like this, where there is there's a lot of different stimuli going on all the time, some of the dog's natural innate behavior, because of that, all right, is going to be subdued. So you can't always make that judge. And there's no way that the shelter staff and the shelter environment can duplicate every scenario that this dog is going to encounter, or maybe already did encounter in its prior home to the point where they know they can predict this dog's true behavior. So anyway, this couple takes this dog home. Now, we don't know. Unfortunately, she's not here to tell us. But what was the trigger? Maybe the dog went after something. She tried to pull it from its mouth. Maybe she tripped and fell. And now the prey drive sunk in and the dog just went nuts. Maybe she wanted the dog to go outside. He didn't want to go outside. So she pulled him in or the opposite. It was outside. She wanted to bring him inside. Whatever the case may be, it set this dog off and apparently just w went wild, literally, and killed this poor woman. So, you know, it's uh, very, very, very sad. Again, when I think about stories like this, I think about adoption. It really does. It's it's very very disturbing. So um, anyway, 
terrible way to start your day. I'm sorry about that. But but you need, again, of course, adopt, don't shop. We want you to get out there. We want to give these dogs new homes. But I mean, from a shelter perspective, it's very important to really do your homework and know and, and ask yourself the same question. Legitimately, why? Do you think that they would have, the shelter would have even kept this dog if the this family, whoever brought the dog in said, oh yeah, and he's bitten four people and, and we can't train him, we took him a train. Of course not, they're gonna put him right to sleep. So instead they lie and they say, oh no, he's the best dog, we had to, we had to move and because we had to move and then they wouldn't allow dogs. And I mean, uh, that's a bunch of, you know what. So uh, especially with these aggressive dogs, it is very, or these known breeds, it's very important for these shelters and these rescue groups to really, if anything, if there's any doubt, any even minimum doubt, Okay, you got to be careful because some of their behaviors in the shelter, rescue, many other dogs, many other people's situation might be inhibited. So this was interesting, not surprising. In fact, I have, interestingly, a, a one of my French bulldogs, my old Frenchie, he's 13 and a half. He is with me and part of my family for this exact reason. And that is therapy dogs may present risk for pediatric cancer patients, now, more likely to get MRSA. And, uh, you know, if they're, if they're decolonized, meaning if they're separated and have more time to not be around other dogs first, that's good. But a lot of therapy dogs are, work with these groups that are therapy dogs groups. And there are many, many dogs are together all the time. So the risk is minimized if these dogs are solo dogs. But interestingly, when I delivered a litter of French bulldog puppies 13 and a half years ago, I was joking with the owners of the mom that I would love one of these. We can, you know, maybe work out a barter. Let's uh, maybe I, it'd be great. I'll take uh, one of these dogs and uh, in lieu of, and we'll give you a major discount. I'll do it even for free. And no, 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 they were all accounted for. So I was kind of bummed because I really wanted a Frenchie. So I, um, P.S. I get a call eight weeks later. No lie, eight weeks later. Doc, were you serious about uh, working something out with us? I said, yeah, absolutely. Why? One of our intended recipients had to back out. What was the situation? A woman was getting the dog for her eight-year-old son who had one of the treatable lymphomas. And he was doing great, but he was on chemo. And when the doctors heard, you know, because he had to miss school for that year, that the doctor, so the mom thought she was doing the right thing by giving him a um, puppy, a puppy to play with. But the doctors didn't think it was a good idea. Why? Because of the kid being on these cancer drugs, which are immunosuppressive, and having a puppy that's all over the place, maybe it wouldn't be a good idea. So they had to, uh, they had to pass. And uh, that's how I have Herbie, 13 and a half years old, and, and, going strong. And uh, he's you know, sometimes having some urinary accidents here and there, but he's an amazing little guy. And uh, certainly, and it's because of Herbie, we got a second Frenchie because they're, they're great. This is sad. Canine distemper virus killing lions in India in a sanctuary, in a lion sanctuary. 23 already died in the past week. And uh, very, very sad. They're Asiatic lions. Uh, there were three cubs, three adult females. And uh, again, the concern is that's about a number of them have tested positive for canine distemper virus. Usually wouldn't cross species lines, but apparently it might. They're not sure it is that. It could be something else going on. And the, the exposure to canine distemper, you know, just could be just a, a consequence of something else. But anyway, it's a bad thing. This is not a surprise. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who gets to work in one of these. And that is pet friendly offices. So uh, many companies now, as you know, allow people to bring their pets. They provide, you know, a, an exercise space. They provide, you know, just a lot of fun. They have beds. And it says that it seems to boost morale. Studies have shown and companies say it's a valuable recruitment and retention tool because, because those that allow it and the, a lot of the employees, millennials who want to have their pets and they want to bring them to work. So for any employers out there wondering why 
you're losing some of these really talented young professionals. It's because you're not letting them bring their pets to work. So uh, think about it. Bring them. I like. I have many of my employees bring their pets to work. <laughs> sometimes with all the number of pets we have in the hospital, I think it's a little crazy sometimes, but they do. A recall again. I, I've gone a few weeks actually without a recall announcement, but Silver Brands are recalling some of their homeopathic products, the ones that you may have heard of. It's because of microbial contamination, by the way. Pet Alive Plump Up Pet Oral Spray, which is an appetite booster, and Pet Alive Allergy Itch Ease Oral Spray helps stop your pet itching. Anyway, um, those are one of many, two of many products that are being recalled from this company, both on the human and the pet side, their homeopathic products. This is something, take note, and you should, when you hear this, you should call your local animal control agencies, your shelters, your rescue groups. This is a really good one. National Animal Control. They have decreased, reduced the number of surrendered pets by 30 to 40%. How? Because now they have a fund, it's called the Safety Net Program, which is a fund that provides veterinary care and behavior training to people that were thinking of relinquishing their pets. Now, you think, oh my God, where are they going to get the funds for this? But I'll tell you, if you figure out how much money they are spending to house and feed these pets they take in, especially if they're no-kill, they could be there for a while, for their marketing, for all of these things, if you're saving 30 or 40% on the number, you're probably saving a lot of money. So use that money to employ some trainers and to provide veterinary care maybe hire a veterinarian. A lot of these shelters have part-time vets anyway. And if you can help these people with their problem, which is typically a medical issue or a behavior issue, more so than certainly, as I said, because someone in the house just developed an allergy or you have to move, then you can actually probably as a whole save money from a shelter perspective and save lives and minimize. And you won't have to worry about having so many pets that you have to adopt out. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I think any of you listening should share this idea with your local animal control agency, but uh, that's a, a winner. I mentioned uh, bad weather, the rain we're getting now, nothing like a hurricane here, but they had some really bad rains in Arizona that uh, they were actually linking to possible hurricane status. But anyway, just remember that if you live in an area where storms or hurricanes or whatever are a possibility, not only think about yourself, think about your pets, make sure that as you're stocking up, you stock up enough food for them water, and of course, any medication, prescription meds or something, anything they're on, make sure you have enough of a supply to last at least a week extra. And last thing before we break is, is pet a bad breath? Halitosis? Is it chronic? Is it going on a long time despite a lot of things? So anyway, it can be done due to a number of things, periodontal disease, plaque, cavities, loose teeth, broken teeth, things like that, or just poor oral care at home. There are some suggestions, routine oral care, needs to be up to this is coming from the American Veterinary Medical Association president, Dr. John DeJong. And um, here's the advice. First of all, you should brush your pet's teeth with a canine or feline toothpaste. So you want to brush teeth on a regular basis, pretty much at least every other day. I tell people do it every third day. I'll still love you. Secondly, you want to avoid hard, hard toys and treats that typically can chip away fractured pieces of tooth, like the hooves and the antlers. They also have a very bad smell. Once they get broken, I'm sure you notice it. Don't worry about the dog's breath. Pick up that toy and smell it, and you'll see what I mean. It's, it's pretty ugly. And also anything that's really hard, anything that they might crack a tooth with. And um, also start taking your pets in regularly for dental care by, by your veterinarian. I have to guard you against and educate you that there are major issues with these non-anesthetic dentals done at the groomer, even if they have a veterinarian on staff. There's no way to appropriately get under gums 
to clean some of the problems where they really start under the gums without anesthesia. Not to mention when you're using any kind of equipment that like an ultrasonic scaler, it's very dangerous because if you don't have a tube down their throat, which prevents the mist, which is now has loaded with bacteria from being inhaled into the lungs, then that's also a danger. So it is much to your advantage in the long haul. You're definitely your pet's advantage. They need to be anesthetized. There are some light anesthesias you can talk to your veterinarian about. I offer that. And I can intubate. The animals are on oxygen. But since they're hooked up to the machine, anesthetic, if I see I need to achieve a little deeper plan, all I have to do is turn on the gas. So um, there are some alternatives. Anyway, don't go away. When we come back, I want to talk about thyroid disorders. I touched on it last week and some things you should know about thyroid disease. So we'll be right back after these short messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back here. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. And what I want to talk about, I mentioned it um, last week, talked about different conditions, different disorders, about thyroid. And um, you know, I think it's often misdiagnosed, often missed. I think in the case of a cat, it's often missed, uh, thyroid disease. And that is something we call hyperthyroidism. And I think with a dog, it's often overdiagnosed. So just to give you some tidbits. So dogs traditionally get hypothyroid, low thyroid. And with low thyroid, uh, dogs typically might be a little bit overweight, a little more sluggish. They may be more prone to infection. Uh, sometimes have like greasy, oily skin. It's kind of like a generalized ADR, ain't doing right. You know, they, they're, they, you, you, it's hard to pinpoint. And oftentimes, well, obviously, the T4, the thyroid test that comes with most blood panels, is often low. And unfortunately, the diagnosis to treat is made by this one test. And that's the mistake because there's something that dogs get way more commonly than primary hypothyroidism, and that is sick thyroid syndrome. And with sick thyroid syndrome, these dogs are, you know, basically have another problem that affects the thyroid hormone. And unfortunately, a diagnosis is made by the doctor that, oh my God, here's our answer. 
and let's start treating, supplementing with thyroid. And that's not the answer. So dogs that are true hypothyroid, I use my T4 test mixed with clinical signs as a screen. But if you really want to see if in fact this low thyroid is real, there are two more options that need to be done before you start putting a dog or having your dog put on a thyroid supplement. That is T4 by ED. It's called free T4 by ED. ED stands for equilibrium dialysis. And with the ED, it's a much more accurate test. And all too often, if you have a low T4 and then you follow up, you call the lab, if you suspect it, you really suspect it, then based on clinical, I would do, do both at the same time. Just ask for T4 and a free T4 by ED. And if you have that, then you'll see, is that T4 real? If T4 by ED is normal, then the dog is not hypothyroid. It has sick thyroid syndrome. If it is also low, then there's most likely you do have a dog with primary hypothyroidism. The other test one can do is a TSH test, thyroid stimulation hormone test. Now, if the dog has a normal functioning thyroid and you give it TSH, guess what? The thyroid level is going to go up. But if the dog is truly hypothyroid and you do a TSH test and you run it before and after, the thyroid level before and after, if the level does not go up, then there's a good chance, in fact, yes, your dog is hypothyroid. So just as an FYI, if you have dogs that, that seem to be behaving as if they have a thyroid disorder, you really should have those two tests done. I recommend against starting thyroid supplementation on just AT4 alone, because oftentimes we'll end up over supplementing because their thyroid was not the problem in the first place. The thyroid was just responding to another condition or problem that the dog had and had sick thyroid syndrome. Let's go to cats. Cats, on the other hand, are notorious for becoming hyperthyroid. And they have a functional thyroid hyperplasia, which is not necessarily cancer. It's not like in people. It's a different kind of condition. But often, the two most common symptoms that one would see in a hyperthyroid, yeah, well, there are more than two, actually. These cats eat like crazy and lose weight. That's the, probably the number one thing at the beginning. And they're very active because they're hyperthyroid. And then it can be sort of switch as the condition worsens, then they can get really lethargic. But we notice on a physical exam that their heart is racing. So they get a rapid, rapid heart rate. Okay, we call tachycardia. Then they also on a blood test, if you don't actually test for the thyroid, you will see high liver enzymes. And I remember when I first started practicing many moons ago, that even my boss at the time, my the veterinarian I worked for in my first job, it was such a new entity back then that most veterinarians weren't even testing cats for thyroid. So they were ready to treat a cat like this. Oh my God, Mrs. Smith, your, your cat has two problems. Very fast heart rate. We have to have that evaluated. And liver enzyme, he's got liver disease. And you can treat both of those individually and do no good because that's not the problem. So being lucky enough to be have been in school when this was really becoming much more well-known as a cause of these symptoms, I would start testing for thyroid disease. And sure enough, had a high T4s, T4 by ED. So that's how I got my diagnosis. And unfortunately, the treatment of the choice then was a, an oral medication called filimazole or methimazole, which I am not a fan of. I am, repeat, I am not a fan of. Or back then, surgery. And unfortunately, one of the things that we know about hyperthyroidism in cats, it usually starts after they're at least seven years of age. 
So me, my very first case was a 17-year-old cat. And not only that, I was able to palpate. I was able to feel the neck area and sure enough, feel the thyroid mass. And one remembers that anatomically, there's a gland called the parathyroid gland, which has to do with uh, calcium and uh, vitamin D balance and bones. And that sits right on top of the thyroid gland. So the, the difficulty was surgically, we have to remove the thyroid gland without touching the parathyroid if possible. If we had to, we could, if we had to remove the parathyroid, we could supplement. But the problem is you can't always tell by looking, all right, is the other thyroid that looks pretty normal? How is it functioning normally? So the good news is over time, and now it's become the norm. If you have a, a true hyperthyroid cat, I've had one and the treatment of choice. I am not a fan, as I said, of the methimazole, the filimazole, which is, as they say, the same drug. They just package it now for cats, filimazole. And, uh, that all that does is it affects the thyroid hormone. It does nothing to fix the gland. So these cats still have really, really overactive glands. It's not good. Is we recommend the cytologus, a scan, a thyroid scan, which actually can light up the thyroid gland or both glands that are affected. And unlike people in the cats, there is no isthmus. An isthmus is an island, if you will, that attaches, connects both thyroid glands. So even if the disease like a papillary carcinoma is in only one, typically what they do in surgery now, they remove them both because of that connection. Cats, however, don't have that connection. So if you have a gland and that's only one side and you truly elect for surgery, then you can just remove that one gland, leaving the other. But highly advised if you were even considering surgery, you should do the scan anyway, because sometimes you just can't tell by looking. But the treatment of choice after scan, once the problem is confirmed, is to get the I-131. It's radioactive iodine. Iodine is taken up by the thyroid glands. The radioactivity, and this here's the beauty, it only goes after that portion of the gland that is hyperactive, all right? So it doesn't touch the normal part. So once the radioactive iodine treatment is done and animals have to stay in a special facility for several days because they are radioactive, once you get them home, you want to keep them separate with my household with six cats, when I, I was treating one with radioactive iodine, I had to give him his own bathroom, his own litter. You have to either get flushable litter that you can flush down the toilet, or you have to save litter in the bag for about two weeks. You can't throw it out until about two weeks because they're radioactive. They're still radioactive, and you want to minimize contact with kids, minimize contact with the other pets in the house, and even with yourself. They say you should maybe wear gloves if you have to go in to the bathroom to feed that cat, to, to clean the litter box, whatever but he has to be confined to his own or her own small space. But the beauty is, since once the treatment is done, they are what we call euthyroid, normal thyroid. So it's really great uh, if you have a cat that you have confirmed that it is a hyperthyroid cat. I always do, and cats over seven, when I do the blood work, I always include, I call it a senior panel for cats that does T4 and free T4 by ED all the time. Why? Because if I suspect it, you want to know, and it's often hidden. And the beauty of the treatment is it brings them back to perfectly normal. The one concern sometimes we have, because the, during the course of having the disease, the blood is flowing so quickly because the heart is racing, that blood is passing through the kidney more often, you know, per beat, if you will. So it's going faster because the, the heart rate is going faster, which means that if your kidneys are starting to fail, 
as they do in old cats. Sometimes the kidney values that one would look for are being suppressed, still maintaining the normal range, not because the kidneys are doing better, but the blood is pumping through more. So the kidney filtration system, it's getting a second pass, if you will, to filter out that which it didn't do the first pass. Once you fix the thyroid and now the heart rate goes down to normal, all of a sudden the kidney disease that was sort of suppressed, if you will, just by nature of the fast heart rate, now you are seeing the kidney values elevate. And it's not once, at first it was thought that it was due to the radioactive iodine treatment, and now we know better. It's not that. It's just that we're slowing the heart rate, and it is no longer as being as masked as it were when the heart rate was racing and the animal was in the throes of hyperthyroidism. So just keep that in mind. Some of the advocates, by the way, I don't do this, but some of the advocates of treating cats first with the methimazole or filamazole prior to radioactive iodine treatment is just to give yourself a better predictability or is, are, are we going to see a kidney problem once we fix the thyroid disorder? My recommendation is even if you were, you, I'd rather get rid of the thyroid problem and treat and worry about treating the kidney disease if it shows up. And when you do it the other way, you have to wait before you treat the, uh, with radioactive iodine. Uh, sometimes weeks and weeks. Why put the cat through more of that? So my feeling is if you have hyperthyroidism, go for it, get the the scan done, radioactive iodine treatment. They usually do it at the same time and then worry about the kidney issue later if in fact it becomes a problem. Anyway, I know the science stuff is sometimes confusing. You can get a hold of me anytime at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. You can send me a note on my Instagram, which is at drjeffwerber. On my Facebook page, just look for Dr. Jeff Werber. So we will make sure that to help you along, answer these questions if you have any, anything about your cat, uh, your hypothyroid dog, hyperthyroid cat, and um, you can, uh, as I said, anything else you want to talk about, or if there's something you want to hear on our next show or any show, let me know, drop me a note. And once again, look up Riley Keough. She'll be a guest with us next week on our show. Have a great week, everybody. See you then. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.